This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 1075 FM, Unholstered, a podcast giving you an in-depth look at all the stories, events, and topics that show how our officers serve and fight for our community every single day. And here are your hosts, Kayla Blakesley from WoWo's Fort Wayne's Morning News and Sofia Rosales-Scantina, captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. Good Saturday morning, Wowo Land. We are back with your second edition, Sophia. We've made it to, to our second edition, so we clearly did something right the first time. Awesome news. <laughs> yeah, our second edition of Unholstered. I am just one of your hosts, Kayla Blakesley. I am a radio personality, member of the media by day, and by weekend, I'm a sidekick to Sophia over here. Good morning. I am Sophia Rosales-Catina. I'm a captain for the Southeast Quadrant for the City of Fort Wayne Police Department. We have uh, joined forces to bring you Unholstered. The purpose, really, of this show is to just tell all of the stories uh, regarding our Fort Wayne Police Department and really other police departments, not only within Indiana, but across the country here, to really share their stories and, at the end of the day, uh, back the blue. That's essentially why I'm here, Sophia. Right. And I'm here to get out the things that we're doing here in Fort Wayne, uh, what an awesome department department we have and to share experiences and give advice on some things that I think are important topics for both uh, citizens of this community and also extremely important for parents as well. And especially going back to school, I think we're going to bring you a lot of information that may help you with your children's safety at home, uh, going to and from school and online. That's really the theme for us here on Unholstered throughout really the month of August is just back to school. And I think today it's really important that we focus on internet safety. I know we touched on a little bit last week, um, but we've brought in an expert today. And by we, I mean you, Sophia. You right. brought in the expert. <laughs> but I think it's so important because we're in this this post-COVID world, or kind of getting towards a post-COVID world, and everybody is using digital right now, whether they want to or not. Uh, they're being forced to use digital to an extent that we probably never have been before. So who did you bring in for us today, Sophia? Well, today I'm delighted to bring you uh, Detective John Helmsing. He is with our computer forensics lab. He is one of the initial um, detectives that went into the lab. So he's been doing this a really long time, and I'm going to let him introduce yourself right now. Morning. Um, Detective John Helmsing. I'm a certified digital forensic examiner for the city of Fort Wayne's uh, computer forensics lab, like Sophia said. Um, 23 years with the department. It's hard to believe we've been around that long, Sophia. And Jeez, I'm still uh, trying to figure uh, out how to use my iPhone over here. <laughs> right. right. Oh, me too. Me too. That's the why last, I have friends like him. Yeah, the last 10 years I've been doing uh, all the digital investigations for the department. So, What does that mean? What does that entail? So, you know, any criminal investigation in our department and really most of the agencies here in Northeast Indiana kind of uh, seek us out for assistance with their uh, digital evidence. So um, 95% of all U.S. citizens carry a cell phone with them. So as you can imagine, those cell phones have information that could be pertinent uh, to a criminal investigation. And my team uh, of examiners that I work with every day were tasked with trying to examine these different electronic devices, whether they be a cell phone, a computer, a uh, video uh, DVR system. How does that work? I was actually just having this conversation with a producer of mine about how and when um, police officers can access your iPhone. Because I know in a couple of different situations with some mass shootings, for example, I believe San Bernardino was one of those mass shootings, where they were trying to get some encrypted data on the, the shooter's iPhone, and Apple said, no, we're not giving it out. How does that work? Well, I, I can't speak it to it because we have some proprietary sure. agreements with the vendors that we use. But actually, our lab is one here in the state that has the capability of bypassing 
or uh, breaking the encryption on both. Glad the you're Apple. here in our state. Right. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, Apple and, and the Android, um, um, the newer models of those, they both have encryption by default. And so it's definitely uh, complicated our jobs in the sense that, um, you know, maybe 10 years ago you had a little flip phone that we processed and you got some text messages and phone calls too. Now you really have a computer with full encryption on it. So uh, the process is definitely more uh, complex than it used to be, but the uh, value of the evidence you're getting back out of those uh, particular devices is exponentially better. I mean, from locations to uh, the actual conversations to which applications were being used, um, there's data and databases for all that. So... I know you said that we can go in and grab that, but I want to assure people we just don't go and take people's phones and just download oh, data. No, there no. are processes <laughs> we have to go through, and I, you know, can you kind of sh- yeah. share what we need to do to, in order to do that? Yeah, there's a little thing called the Constitution. That right, it's a little thing. <laughs> right, and I know I want people to be aware that, that we do follow yeah. that. So that we explain to the process of how yeah. those things so work. So anytime you have an investigation, um, it'll either require the consent of the owner of the device. So that would be when our investigators reach out to whoever they're speaking with and said, "Would you consent to?" allow us to have a, a search for evidence pertinent to the case. Or uh, the other scenario would be that, you know, the, the detective has established reasonable cause uh, and they will seek out a search warrant from Allen County Superior Court here in Allen mm-hmm. County uh, to aid in that investigation. So I'm glad it's your job and not mine. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine some of the stuff that you come across. And I'm just curious because I imagine you like hunkered down in a dark cave at work, you know, just pounding <laughs> away on your keyboard. What's a typical day like? So uh, for our team, we'll oftentimes uh, start our day by receiving new requests from investigators uh, to examine different items. So, you know, in our own department, we have about 100 detectives between our narcotics division, our investigation division, and all have investigations that obviously will have digital evidence at this point. So we'll take this evidence in and start examining it, whether it be a computer, a phone, or a DVR system that we may have to go out to a, a crime scene and collect uh, video evidence from, let's say, WoWo's DVR system inside their mm-hmm. security. And so that evidence is then uh, processed. Uh, it's not an easy button oftentimes. Like, they want to make it look on... Uh, uh, C- uh, CSI. Oh, CSI. Oh, yeah. It looks real simple. Really <laughs> so, easy. Yeah. In 48 minutes, we've solved yeah. the crimes. So, <laughs> it happens every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's it's a lot of uh, technical um, examination of the device, whether it's breaking, like we talked about, the the, um, the the encryption on it and then having to then take all that evidence and examine it with different utilities. And then at the end of the day, it's the produ- production back to the investigator and making it pertinent to their case. Understand, you know, the new iPhone uh, 12, I think it's standard at 64 gigs. So that's 64 gigs of data coming back to an investigator potentially. And, you know, it's all that's based... That's a lot to come through. Right. It's a lot of information, whether it be apps or text messages, their contacts, their locations. How do you know where to start looking? Uh, there will be parameters. Oftentimes, we'll use timeline searches to see um, what was going on at a particular time, uh, whether it's a location data, were they sending messages, were they receiving emails, were they doing web searches at that particular time in the phone. It's all got timestamps that happen with it. Uh, sometimes we don't even have data from a device. We'll oftentimes uh, send a search warrant out to mm. AT&T or Google and say, hey, where was this particular device during a period of time that our crime happened? And we'll use those network connections to determine if that device was close uh, to a particular crime scene. I want to pick your brain about something, if you don't mind, if you have quick. Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard about this, but iPhone, their latest update, they've announced that they've got this technology, the software. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that they're going to be able to... Um, 
basically flag photos that are inappropriate of children, right? Trying to crack it, down it, on... It's using an algorithm that is looking at the percentage of skin tone in a, uh, a particular image. Well, explain we use, we use that. We use that technology in our own life. How does this work? Because I, get, I have a one-year-old. I've been very transparent about that. And for example, this is real. This really happened in my home. My daughter had a rash terribly over her entire body, including her bum. And I took a photo of her with this whole rash, so her whole body, and I sent it to my husband. Hmm. I said, hey, make sure you're putting lotion everywhere, including her booty, because it's everywhere, <laughs> you know? How does this technology know that that is not an uh, obscene photo? Well, I mean, this is where, so how the AI works and how our own software works when we run that against it um, is that it's looking for the percentage of skin tone that's in a photograph. Uh, so like you maybe uh, in Costa Rica for vacation in your bikini, it'll yeah. flag that up because it's greater than the percentage threshold. So it'll flag that and then it's still a human asset or maybe it's another algorithm and I'm not speaking to Apple because I don't know how they're running that. That'll then look at the subject matter. Is it you at the beach in Costa Rica or is it a five-year-old who's being... Uh, uh, victimized by a, a, a suspect, so you know, and then that human asset then will say this: this is an inappropriate uh, uh, image, and it gets reported. So this is Neckmec again, mm -hmm. going back to that early yeah. conversation. Those type of images are reported to Neckmec, and they actually have a database of uh, what's called a, a hash listing. It's kind of that fingerprint of what the image is, uh, the digital fingerprint. And then we, when we investigate, we'll run that hash list against any device that we're investigating in that, in that scope and see if there is matching data. And if there is, then, it, then we're like, oh, we know this is child pornography because it's been identified as such, which then exponentially speeds up our investigation. Because mm -hmm. otherwise then, you know, a, a typical day would be maybe a phone that has, you know, I mean, how many phone pictures do you take or how many images do you, does your device auger out of the internet? Me and my colleagues are going through and looking at those 25 million images manually. Ugh. Scanning. And, and, that's, and that's what we have to do because you can't rely on the AI to only investigate. Maybe we have a new victim that hasn't been identified. It's just like weeding through. Yeah, it. right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I think on that particular, I think I read the article and they said that they would they would flag the photo, but then it had to have human eyes on yeah. that yeah, photo right. to it make did. sure it didn't, and it that's, didn't that's the same inadvertently mm -hmm. accuse you of having child so, porn. You, you know, and, and to kind of speak to that, so how that'll work is you've taken the photo. It's part of your database. If you don't uh, delete it before your iCloud backs up your phone, it'll now go up into the cloud. So, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't think I deleted right, the photo. Yeah, right. Oh, you man. Know, so, I can tell you that my uh, physician's group uses teleconferences quite a bit, and mm -hmm. they can, they've, I've actually sent an image saying, hey, this is what we're looking at. They asked me to send the image in so they could see without actually having the in-person uh, visit. So, I mean, those images are occurring daily now, especially post-COVID, because you have doctors who are trying to diagnose remotely, and this is the methodology they're using, using technology to do that. So, uh, again, this goes back to, yeah, you can have the algorithm that'll run, and that AI will find the image, but then it's still up to us to determine the content. Is it is it sexually explicit, or is it something else? Okay, one more question. Sorry, because I'm just picking No, 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 it's perfectly uh -huh. fine. <laughs> In terms of privacy, is there some part of you, because obviously, you know, you're a big fan of all those technology. It's what you work with every single day, and you're solving crimes every single day in our community with this technology. 
But there's a part of me inside that I still feel like, ooh, I don't even know that I like them being able to sift through these photos of my baby in the bathtub, so to speak. I'd like to me, there's a. It makes me uncomfortable. So this is where you know, oftentimes people don't take the opportunity to read the terms of usage when they That's agree to something. Probably me. So <laughs> you, uh, can, you can point to me, John. Is, it's okay. Yeah, this is okay. I mean, uh, Google is probably the the most famous for it. Um, they actually were sued because they were augering information out of people's private account information for the purposes of marketing. This is why when you maybe have searched something on your device and, and all of a sudden the next time on you'll get a banner on the side for Best Buy and the new TV because you were looking at TVs. And that's that's mm-hmm. what that algorithm's for. Right. So they were actually sued and so they changed their terms and conditions of use and then the next time you went in everybody had to agree to the new terms and conditions of use. And you just, we you all just, just agreed to yeah, Who wants to read that? Yes. Oh, I want to see this new YouTube video so of course I'm agreeing oh, to that. And they're so this is good for law enforcement right. because then through legal process, we can produce a warrant to Google and says, hey, this device, we'd like to know all the Google location data on this device mm-hmm. for that period of time. And is it close to our crime scene? Well, that sure helps a lot. Does it definitively prove our case? Absolutely not, because we have to still do our due diligence to say that you know, Johnny Bad Guy here is in possession of that phone, and we can put it back at the crime scene. So... Um, but yeah, I I think there's good and bad to it. Uh, you know, for the the vast majority of the U.S. population, the ninety percent, no big deal. Right. I mean, we're not doing anything I'm not illegal. Doing anything for, wrong. for the I bad guys, know, it's, it's kind of bad. Yeah, for bad <laughs> for the bad guys, obviously, I think it's great. I just appreciate the clarification because when this information first dropped, I was kind of uneasy about it. And I'm glad that John, I have you in my Rolodex now, so I could call you up when, when things <laughs> yeah, like right. that occur. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't be too fearful of it. I mean, unless you're unless you're concerned just about privacy. But again, the AI is just looking for those that... that just weeding them out. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. And, and then human eyes put eyes on it. Oh, it's a picture, picture of your kids at the beach. You know, yeah. and they're done. You know, they're, they're, I feel a little bit better about it now. I mean, Because yeah. I just upgraded a, my new iPhone. Right, think about that. I mean, think <laughs> how many <laughs> mobile users are out there and how much data is being collected. I mean, if it's something that human person isn't going to sit there and, and oh look how cute Kayla is and you know put it to memory it's it's booing, <laughs> it's moving on and uh, okay that's not anything we need to be concerned right. about move on to the next so that's why you're the expert and I'm not and that's why you're here today because as we mentioned it's all about internet safety as we're headed back to school and for me I don't even know where to begin because when I think internet safety I I think younger kids simply because I have a one year old so I'm thinking of it in those realms but I can't imagine the full gambit whether it's K through 12 up to, to college students there's got to be such different avenues of it so yeah I mean we're we're uh, as COVID has taught us I mean kind of as you led into it um, where we've become completely reliant on electronics not only to be our access to information uh, you know a lot of people I know I stream. Your show oftentimes to yes, the computer. Yes, I knew I liked you. I knew I liked <laughs> and, uh, you. Okay, so, let's you know, not go there. there there's <laughs> there's uh, different avenues to all this information that's available, and, and our schools have had to adjust to that, too, by using whether it's uh, their own home-based computer systems, or we've gotten to a point that a lot of schools and corporations are actually providing uh, all their students, uh, whether it be a Google Chromebook or a tablet, to do schoolwork on. So, uh, whether you're, it's you as a parent providing a, a, a electronic device to your child uh, for their educational purpose or for their entertainment purposes, or you're allowing them access to a computer, or it's the school's providing a computer, there's some things that you need to be concerned about for regarding safety parameters that you should um, 
discuss with your children uh, and definitely have some uh, safety protocols set up on how uh, they're going to access um, the internet through those devices and uh, what their expectations are regarding your desire as a parent or an educator uh, on what they should or should not be doing with electronics. Can we talk about some of those? Because Sophia is here last week, and she's showing me this handy-dandy sheet that she has. Uh, For example, all these apps on kids' phones, and that Mm -hmm. half of them don't even do what they appear to be doing. Mm -hmm. And that frightens me, because I don't even know half of these things that exist out there. Like I said, I'm still trying to figure out how to use my new iPhone that I just got, right? So, I mean, where do you even begin with these safety protocols? So, I mean, there's there's some things that, as a parent, you can set up with a device that you provided uh, to my kids. Obviously, I'm tech. My kids have been tech since basically they were out of diapers. So, but it was a learning curve for them. Uh, they're now middle. I can school imagine with, your family dinners. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> In fact, uh, around the neighborhood, they're you know I'm I'm the dad that you know they doesn't let them do anything on the internet, and that's fine. I I, I don't have a problem being that person, but you know I, I want responsibility with my kids to be good stewards of their own uh, online presence. So. Uh, you don't want situations where your kids are putting themselves in uh, peril where they could be cyberbullied, which is a problem, or they're being um, solicited for uh, sexploitation or uh, sexual um, images uh, by predators that are out there. Because uh, no longer is the boogeyman kind of in the public park, he's really living in Snapchat or uh, an Xbox uh, side chat to Fortnite or mm-hmm. <laughs> wherever they're at. They're going to seek your kids out in a different manner than they did 40 years ago when we were young. So, As parents, you know, sometimes we get a little lax. We hand these phones or these computers over as, as kind of uh, the entertainment for the kids, so we don't really deal with them. we got things going on, and I think we just need to be more aware of what our kids are doing on those um, devices and keep an eye on them because, you know, kids are impulsive. They're going to do things um, that they don't think about the next day or don't have any forethought to the ramifications of what they're doing. Um you know, there's been cases where students have, have uh, died by suicide because of things they've done online. Uh, there was a teen in Canada who did that. You can, um, what's her so Amanda Taylor? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm, the name's slipping me right now, yeah. but I'll, I'll look it up. But, you know, um, she met this guy online. They kind of went, chatted back and forth. Uh, he ended up asking her to take a photo topless. She did. Um, he, he threatened her to tip her more um, images. She refused, so he released that photo. It kind of went around. She got bullied at school because of it. They moved her to another school. Um, I think she uh, attempted suicide at the first school um, and was able to complete that at the second school after, again, being bullied because this guy released photos. And he wasn't even he wasn't in Canada. He was somewhere in, in the in the, the Netherlands. Sweden, yeah. Netherlands. Yeah. 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 Amanda Todd. Amanda Todd. Amanda, I was just saying, I looked it up. <laughs> yeah. Saying, yeah. Amanda Todd. And it's devastating. I mean, she did a video uh, with a bunch of signs. It's just, it's heart-wrenching to watch that. And, to ha- and we've had, you yeah. know, kids come into the station with their parents under the kind of the same premise. So they're taking these photos... Uh, you know, like I said, kids are impulsive. They mm-hmm. do things. I mean, heck, as adults, you know, that, that stuff's sure. out there, and, and adults exchange those things. But but as kids, they just don't realize that the Internet is forever. And I always tell my kids, you know, the things you're doing on there, what you're saying on there, you look at how many celebrities have taken heat for what they've said at, at age 14, whether that's right or wrong. Uh, they're still taking heat for that, and they're like 30 or 40. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always something that you have to be aware of, and you have to, as a parent, guide your children. That's, that's, that's the whole role 
role of a parent here. Um, and that's what we want parents to do, because we don't want to see you in, your, in our offices. I, I don't want you to have to meet Detective Helmsing um, to find out where these images of your kids are coming from. Yeah, no offense, but your guy don't ever want to have to ha- use your services. <laughs> not, not in an official capacity. Let's, let's yeah. meet at yeah. Applebee's yeah, for dinner. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, can teach you how to use your phone, Kayla. Yeah, there we go. That, I need that. Well, break it down for me, because what I... I co- Personally, what I'd like to kind of know is the differences between when I do send my kiddo to school and she's getting her iPad or she's working there on the computer, what kind of safety features are there? But then when she comes home versus being at home and on our at-home computer or our PlayStation or on our cell phone, how can we break those down? Yeah, so hopefully, and although I've had a personal experience with how well the firewalls are set up by some of the school corporations. Uh, <laughs> is son, this a good let's personally just say, or not? Let's just say my son's very tech savvy. Um, and uh, But yeah, they... They generally put protocols in place uh, through their IT departments that will help uh, surfing history and prevention of uh, going out to places maybe they shouldn't mm-hmm. through their their on school assets. Uh, so you know, hopefully the IT department there has got it dialed in that you know if something inappropriate search for through the Google Chromebook or, or uh, they try to download. What an happens app, if they do? They get an alert. Okay. The, the the actual IT department gets an alert and and then you will be contacted. Not that by I know, but I know you do get contacted. Yeah. Not that I have any oh, experience have any in experience that. Experience. No, 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 no. <laughs> Different. It's gotta be the worst. Oh, oh, it is the worst. You know, yeah. cop mom getting a phone call yeah. about your kids' internet search. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's not fun. Uh, so. But then it's like, okay, so let's say your kids are used to those safeguards at school, but then they come home, and one you just said about, you know, on your Xbox, kids can get solicited. I'm like, oh my. Yeah, and that's a whole different realm of those aren't necessarily searches, but they're people in these gaming rooms, in the chats that are predators. They pose as children. They kind of gain confidence mm-hmm. of your kids, and, and then they start these conversations, and the kids get really relaxed around other kids. And, you know, one time I, I asked my son, I'm like, who are you gaming with? Because I was want to know. I mean, he's got several kids that he's gaming. Oh, it's so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. I'm like, okay. And he goes, and this new kid. I'm like, who's the new kid? Well, I don't know. Some kid from England. Well, how do you know he's from England? Well, he has an accent. I'm like, that doesn't make him from England. So <laughs> you know, so it's like, I, you know, accent myself. Uh, right. So it's, it's, it's difficult. And your kids think it's just innocent, but, but you know better. And maybe I'm just a little skeptic. I suppose my job has made me that way. So the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is a great resource. Um, that parents and educators can go out to to uh, just educate themselves on some of the complex problems that your kids will be running into. Uh, uh, some recent studies will show that roughly about one in uh, ten children have been uh, solicited online. Uh, one in twenty children, so you know, basically one in every five kids has been. Um, um, solicited aggressively from that group of the one in 10, uh, and that 78% of those kids that have been solicited, the the offender's goal at the end of the day is not only to get that contact and the solicitation to get much more aggressive with the explicit nature of uh, the exploitation. So they're, they're not only wanting a picture, but more involved pictures, and they'll try to groom those children. So what parents what uh, can do or, or, or guardians can do is they can simply use some of the, the native features of the device for safety. So like with an iPhone, I'm an iPhone user myself, you can set up a family uh, share and your children's device then when it's set up, anytime that an application wants to be downloaded, you have to be notified. Oh, I'm getting that. <laughs> As a parent, that, that app, your, your child is wanting to download that app and that app can't be 
downloaded without your approval. Um, personally, I've always been a big fan of parents sending up uh, a contract of use, a terms of use. Hmm. And so those are available through NECMEC or I think uh, Kids uh, Online Kids Safe or is another website that's out there. And there's actually uh, examples of these contracts. I made both my kids sign these uh, for them. But it literally <laughs> is a terms of use. You know, this is what I, I expect of you. You have to be a good steward uh, of your online footprint or billboards. Do you so. mind if I ask you how old your kids are? No, oh, they're they're middle school middle age. School? So okay. lots of sass these days. So good times. <laughs> but yeah, they, like I said, they've been uh, electronics users probably since the age of three or four because. Uh, you know, we were discussing this on the way over here that I wish I had Google when I was there. It's, sure. just, it's such yeah. a fantastic tool to be able to literally be able to find research and information on anything just by saying, hey, Siri, tell me about whatever the topic is. And you literally instantaneously have all the information that you could possibly want. And unlike the days when we would have to go to the library and actually have to find the book and read the book, and it's it's a much uh, more um, robust information um, location for our kids. So I've always been a big advocate of having that. But because of that, I make sure that I'm setting forth. This is how you 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 you. Sh- I want you as a a responsible individual to operate this device. And if you break these terms, understand this is my device mm-hmm. and I will <laughs> I will remove that device's use from you. And my son's unfortunately tested me on that a few times <laughs> and, and he's he's found out the hard way. So you can set those contracts up saying, you know, you can't go to these websites. If I find that you do, don't delete anything. If you delete stuff, that's a term to use that violates our contract. Uh, you can also use different applications. Um, uh, I know Disney has a great app. There's another app called Bark that's out there. Not to narrow it down to just a few. There's lots out there. Uh, anybody ever have curiosity about apps and how many there are? Go to your app store and see how many new apps. I am not an expert on every app that's no, out there. Me neither. So, yeah. um, they just progress, and they, you know, some of them just. We, it's hard to keep up. So the list you have, <clears throat> I've posted on our uh, social media page on uh, last year. But even just going into this year, I mean, those apps are a lot of them are pretty much not in use. Some of them are not even in use anymore. Mm-hmm. Their their use is way down. Some of them are still in use, but there's so many more new ones. So it's just kind of one of those things that's hard to keep up for um, law enforcement, and we do the best we can. And we do share with between law enforcement departments that we're really good at doing that and sharing what's going on over here so we know what's coming. Usually things start on the coast and move inward. Um, so we really keep our eye on things that are happening there. And I'm, I'm always subscribing to those departments, so I know on their social media page they do share a lot. Something that you mentioned that uh, that really caught my attention. You talked about a digital footprint. You said, hey, within this terms of contract with your kiddos, you're saying, I want you to understand your digital footprint and, and so on and so forth. And for me, when I think digital footprint, I think, oh, it's just this trail of the websites that I've been on, the things that I purchased. But but what is the importance then? Like, what would you say to your kids in terms of understanding well, this digital footprint? you got to be careful as a parent or a guardian that um, your kids' access to the Internet is, is somewhat um, restricted until you they gain that trust and that's the whole purpose of the the contract so uh, i actually like to borrow a a, a term from a friend of mine that also talks about cyberbullying dr michelle drew from purdue university here in fort wayne she actually calls it a digital billboard Hmm. because really anything that leaves your device that leaves your home network is out in cyberspace for anybody to auger out so whether it's a picture that you've sent through a chat app 
uh, or you've you've accessed something, or your Google locations are out there, you're setting this billboard for anybody who's on the World Wide Web to see, and they they can pass by and see. Oh, there's a picture of Sophia, and she's out with uh, the Blue Bucket Brigade. It's out there because it's on a website somewhere that somebody can access. So anytime you've posted something, whether it be uh, a chat, whether it be a picture, whether you know it's access to a website, that's all out there. That's how all these. Uh, in in the private sector, they're having these data breaches right. because there's all this information that just floats around out there. Uh, and, and when it comes to like the sexually explicit stuff, we know only know about about six percent of all those solicitations because that's what's reported. Or the cyberbullying is another good one. You know, only about twenty. 27, 26% of girls and boys are reporting to adults, whether it be educators or parents, of incidences of cyberbullying. Why is that? Um, I think maybe just fear of retribution a lot of times, fear of making it worse. Um, Amanda Todd, that was one of the things. Embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Um, You know, Kids get picked on. We, we, I, I experienced it. I'm sure John did. You did as a child, mm-hmm. right in school. But it was, but it stayed at school. Right. You know, you go home and you it's can so escape it. Now. Right. Yeah. You can't escape the phone. You can't escape social media. These kids can bully each other 24 seven, 365. So I think that's where it's coming because it never stops. And I, I've seen some of the things that kids do, and man, kids can be cruel. As adults can be cruel, mm-hmm. not right. So mm-hmm. You see adults doing that. I look at the comments on social media stuff when things are Don't posted, that, and Sophia. I Don't cannot believe what people are just what's saying to one another. Right? We've lost our humanity. We people are wishing death on other people. It's it's incredible what we see, uh, but it, it's it's and it's difficult for our kids. And so imagine being a ten year old, an eight year old, a seven year old. And you're stuck with this nonstop onslaught of just dehumanizing words and, and comments. Um, what, what someone's psyche would take that hit? Is like this that. another scenario? Is that something where, as a parent, let's say you've got your iPhones all hooked up with that family plan, is that something that you can see and know that's going on? Well, and that's that's kind of going back to that contract that I talked about earlier. You know, just being engaged with your mm-hmm. kids and what they're doing, uh, going and periodically just checking. And that's why I said it's important about. The you know you, you as a, 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 a child can't delete anything from that phone, and that's a big no-no in my house. Is that uh, don't delete it because you know for one I do forensics and I will find the deleted material. Uh, two, uh, yeah, you know, I don't ever want to live with yeah. John ever. I, I don't want to have to work that hard for my own kids, you know. So you know, and, and that's just kind of one of those conversations. You, and and hopefully by being that involved, you can have that dialogue with your kid where. Um, Hey, if this is going on, how can I help you navigate this? Because oftentimes kids are just looking for a little guidance on how to get through that. And and, and again, you know, using an analogy that others have said is you would never hand your kids the keys to the car and said, here's the keys to the car, go drive it on down the road. And and it's that same analogy that you would use with electronic and the World Wide Web. And, And you want to give them some guidance, but allow them to learn and to experience it on their own, but you know, know that there's a safe place to come back to, and that as a parent, that if something like cyberbullying is going on, if somebody has solicited to you, that's a discussion that we need to have, and how can we correct and protect you? What about older kiddos? Well, oftentimes what we see with young adults is that they're they're very open, and, and especially uh, with this current generation, that uh, they share everything, mm-hmm. and. and whether it's good or bad, I, I guess it'll remain to be seen. But uh, understand that those imp- can have implications for a kid maybe going into college. 
some of the considerations for a, a child that age would be if they posted something that maybe would compromise uh, their opportunity to have scholarships. Because these type of groups um, are, are jobs. And my wife works in HR. And so whether it's good or bad, one of the things they kind of do is they look at that because there's liability on a potential employer if they're bringing in somebody that has very different um, uh, uh, viewpoints that are, are contrary to what maybe that business is, wants to uh, portray to the public. So that's uh, that's you know potentially dangerous. Or if you have somebody who's um, let's say espousing how they hate their job, and now they're applying for your company, you know oh, that could be problematic. Be so so it, yeah. it's one of those things again. Being a good steward to your own online image um, is important. So as they're getting into adulthood, it, it's it's a conversation that you want to have as a parent or a mentor to a young person, saying, "Hey, listen, you know, be positive with what you're putting out there, uh, because that negative information can come back to be uh, impactful for you in the future. So come back and bite you for sure, sure. right?" We've seen that happen all over, and, and, and I know we check when people are getting hired on our department. We do do a social media check, um, and you know if we see something that we don't think is right, you know that alerts us, and then um, we can't. Depending on what the issue is, you know we handle that in a certain way. But it's always something that I think you know, and kids, even even older kids, seniors, and even the fresh college freshmen, they don't think about what's five years down the road, mm-hmm. you know, they don't think about what's 10 years down the road for them. So I think just being a parent and guiding them as we should, um, I think is going to be helpful, no matter if it's just online presence, if it's, you know, um, being a good worker, being a good human being, you know, we have to have that guidance for our kids. We want you as parents and we want you as kiddos out there to be responsible to your own online. And then, you know, that way um, you can um, prevent having those difficult dis- discussions with us as law enforcement in, uh, you know, and now it's a criminal matter, and now we're going to see everything that your life is in an, an electronic examination of your That's device. good. You can just instill that fear in them. Maybe right. that'll be the best route to go. <laughs> well, not fear, but I think, you know, in, in anything, we just want to make people just aware mm-hmm. of, you know, not just the moment, but what's coming in the future. So just, you know, that awareness of, of who you are and what you want to be known as. Do you love what you do, John? It's it's the forefront of law enforcement moving forward. It really is. Yeah, I, I've, I, yeah. I believe that for a while. Yeah. Uh, I used the tech when I was a detective, when I was doing homicides and robberies and stuff. And, you know, we'd solve crimes, you know, literally by saying, hey, you know, he's hitting off. The, really, before we knew where it really was. And now that we do everything that we do, I mean, the complexity of it is, you know, you're, you're literally sometimes writing a 200-page report showing that this phone was tracked from here down to Indianapolis where they caught the suspect. Or, you know, a recent case where uh, they, he it was a domestic and he set the house on fire. And we have the cell phones where it's showing the communications between the two parties and then the Google location data literally walking him from the scene in a way wow. where he was seen by an eyewitness. It's amazing. That's going to be rewarding, though, right? When you're like, hey, that was my piece of data that, that I found that cracked this case. Yeah, I, I, I was, gave a pretty nice compliment a, a few months back by one of the deputy, well, the chief deputy prosecuting attorney. And he said it was the single best piece of evidence he's ever had in a homicide. And what it was, it was literally an audio track that I found on the computer that was from this gentleman who killed his girlfriend and a friend of his in another part of the country through Facebook Messenger. And it was the audio track saying, well, no, she's gone. I can't help her. I'm going to prison forever. And it's it's the man's voice. And, And, you know, I'm like... 
it was his Facebook account that was making this. You know, I, I found it in there, and I till this day I, I was floored when I found it. I was like, oh my gosh, and it was literally just a a an equipment and software. Uh, anomaly for that particular laptop, and it was a problem. And I ended up finding this Microsoft Teams chat online that discussed that this particular Lenovo laptop was. Wild. I know, <laughs> and it was just this freak thing that it was an uh, the Realtek audio pl- driver was incompatible with the hardware that was inside this computer, and it was creating this huge temp file on the hard drive of this conversation because it was using it for buffering. To sync oh the audio gosh. and the video together. You remember last week when I told you that people think police are just dumb people yeah. who can't find yeah. another job? Yeah, this meet is John. Yeah, <laughs> meet John. I mean, meet a lot of yeah. this. No, it just well, there's so do here many, yeah. right? There's just so many that have so such unique stories and how they do things that help this community. And I'm so grateful that we have people like him. What's the wildest thing? Yeah, I don't know if you can even tell us the wildest thing you've ever come across. Oh, I mean, that's pretty wild. That 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 probably is up in the top ten. I mean, you know, when you have, I mean, I hate to say this, but I've probably seen half of the the sexual genitalia of Fort Wayne at this oh, point. I yeah. mean, it's just people do it, and I'm like, I've never once thought, let me take out my phone and do that, yeah. you know. But people do. But people do. Okay. Um, but you know, just. Some of the homicide, the graphicness that's been captured in, in some of these devices. Um, um, we're unique in the sense that in the state, the five of us that are in our lab are um, certified um, video technicians. There's only like 380 of those worldwide. Wow. And so we take great pride in our ability to, to collect, analyze, and uh, compare video. So we'll take video from a DVR and bring it in the lab using some of our forensic software and our training. Uh, and help enhance or clarify. I hate the word enhance because that indicates that you're adding to, but we use clarify a lot when we're testifying because that's really what you're doing. You're just adding layers like you would use a magnifying glass glass to help you see it more clearly, and that's what it means. And so, you know, we'll we'll take that video evidence in, and, and we've literally been able to show like license plates and the, the CSI so, stuff. That's stuff. A, no, that this is, is fascinating. So that's why I said this hour. Yeah. I mean, this is just so fascinating. Maybe it's a time a topic for another show we could just talk about. Yeah. Just, but yeah, I mean, like our video, um, we'll use Avid Avid Media yeah. Composer, yeah. which is pretty pretty well. Yeah, used. I used Avid back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we use some different tools now, but Avid's part of our tool bag. That's cool. So we'll be able to take in video evidence in there, audio. We use uh, audio, uh, audacity, mm-hmm. you know, some just some basic editing tools that are out there to try to help clarify that. So those are the ones that are amazing to me, where you can like literally take that video evidence and do comparison analysis and say, hey, this is what we're seeing in the video. We've isolated this, you know, 15 frames of video, and you can see a tattoo, you can see a license plate, or some uniqueness about something, and then take it, and you know the investigator's gone out and collected photos of the suspect or the vehicle or whatever. What's your favorite part of the job? The people I work with—they're amazing people. I mean, like my one colleague's working on his PhD, and I've got a, two of the other ones have degrees in computer science, and and literally being able to bounce off of them, mm-hmm. you know, hey. Have you tried this? Or, you know, in the wider community, you're part of chat rooms and, and, and blogs and stuff. And people throw out, hey, I've ran into this. And you'll have all these amazing people throughout the country that will just come and say, hey, have you tried this? This worked for me. And, you know, it's That's amazing. So cool. uh, it's just, it, it's not boring, <laughs> for no, sure, because no. the technology constantly changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at, uh, you know, 
a new phone coming out every six months, new applications coming out daily. Isn't part of that exhausting, though? Like, (laughs) truly, because it's like just when I feel like you might get the hang of something or I don't know. It's challenging every day. it's It's a new challenge every day. But, you know, the nice thing is, is most of those applications work similarly where there's like a database that is the the, the starting point. So mm-hmm. you'll go find this database file and start looking through that and then you'll have to figure out, oh okay, it's using this. So we need to convert this time frame, you know, to the correct, you know, Eastern Daylight Savings time yeah. and so it makes sense. And then we can start looking through all that stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day it works the same way. We're really seeing the challenges a lot of the apps now are driving up into the cloud and that becomes difficult. Oh, really? Why? Because, you you know, again... No one understands the cloud. Yeah, it it goes back to legal process. And, you know, if all of a sudden the server's in Belgium, I don't have any legal standing to go to Belgium and download something out of their cloud server. Right. And we were talking about that with Kick, mm. things like that, things that are based out of this country. They don't honor our right. subpoenas. They don't have to. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they'll cooperate. Depends on who you get a hold of. But so most of the time they won't. So there's some case law that's kind of helped us along the way. The courts have done some good things to kind of support that. If it's accessible from the phone and you can uh, acquire that content, then you can then include that under the search warrant. But again, if you have to specifically go out of the country, let's say you don't have the device, but instead have like the account name and you're trying to service a search warrant, this is where you have to get the State Department involved and hopefully that country that you're dealing with plays ball. It's cooperative, yeah. Yeah, like one of my colleagues had a case where it was a solicitation um, and we actually had to coordinate with uh, authorities in Australia uh, to apprehend the guy and they actually found the guy in i think it was in just outside of sydney area and they they arrested him for the solicitation there even though our victims here in fort, fort wayne. wayne that's awesome yeah it's amazing i mean the internet's amazing but it's also kind of <laughs> now we're going you know, back into the, <laughs> yeah. the internet's in the bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, even like everything right I mean, you can you contribute that to everything it's the There's internet's great yeah. but it also has these things you should be aware of guns are great but they also have things that you need yep. to be aware yeah. of and There's safety and protocols to take cars are great but they also come with safety things that we have to keep in check so you know it's like that with everything it, this is no different um they ever like i said again it goes back to guidance and training mm-hmm. and, and making sure people are doing the right things with what they have really unexpected that you came in here so optimistic <laughs> and positive about the internet and technology and google and wanting everyone to I embrace love netflix it. i love <laughs> and your apple watch <laughs> and you know and I, awesome. it's amazing that he is so upbeat all the time and he's usually like that i I've, i don't see him too much don't on a bad on a day Monday, <laughs> but you know on our well, way over here on yeah on our way over here not to bring the the uh, energy down here but on the way over here we were talking and you know he was talking about burnout and people yeah. in the, that division uh, you know nationally look around and people who deal with sex crimes and explicit photos and things like that, they have a high burnout rate um, after just a few years because it's really hard to look at those images again and again and again. And there's so many of them. And, and if people actually knew how many things that our officers have to view, and not just you know child stuff, but just the gruesomeness we talked about. You know, when we came on, you know, it was our, our homicide rate. I think I, when I came on, it was one of the highest years we've ever had in Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. But at that time, the, the, the murders weren't as gruesome and mm. as, as kind of shocking as they are now. It seems, you know, it was it was shootings, but it was gang-related, drug-related. Mm-hmm. Not that those aren't bad and gruesome in and of themselves, but they weren't explicit. 
Mm-hmm. If, if you kind of kind of can well, read that's the one reason, here. Sophia. I hope that we can dive into just the mental health of our police officers and PTSD that a lot of folks deal with, and you know continue to deal with. I think that'll be a huge topic. I feel like I learned a lot and I'm so glad I'm learning it now because again, my daughter's only one. So I feel like the more research that I do now, the better off I'll be when she's three, four, five years old. And But that'll all change in like five minutes. That's so true. Exactly. Technology's ever different. evolving. So I'll have to call you back when, when it changes. <laughs> this is another episode of Unholstered talking all about internet safety. If you've missed previous episodes, you can download us anywhere. You can download a podcast. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered with Kayla Blakesley and Sophia Rosales-Scantina. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.